hey, my name's Ben Simmons. Not the one that quit on the 76ers, but the one who's going to be living in his parents' basement until he's 40. I want to tell you about Mama Fuku noodles. They've changed my life. Have you ever been hungry in the middle of the night, but only it's 2 a.m. and you ran out of Hot Pockets? Have you ever been home at 7 p.m. and you realize no one's cooking for you and you're on your own? Have you ever eaten great ramen and said, that was good, but man, I wish someone would make me great noodles. Well, Momofuku noodles is the ramen for you. I'm addicted to them just like the other Ben Simmons is addicted to missing free throws, passing up dunks, and quitting on his team. Get Momofuku noodles from my friend David Chang wherever you buy your life-changing ramen. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host or you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. We have a new Rewatchables going up on Monday night. It is effed up family February on the Rewatchables. We did Ordinary People last week. We have four more. Figured this is the perfect time to do it. NFL, NBA. Can take some chances. We don't need to run like one of the all-time most listened to rewatchables this month. So effed up family February is upon us. And we have on Monday night, Rachel getting married, which uh, is going to be me and Wesley Morris and Amanda Dobbins. You can find this. It's on one of the, one of the streamers. I think it's on stars for free. So if you have stars, check it out. Uh, also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook on Tuesday. The Cuz is going to pop on. All of our football regulars, we're doing it on Tuesday. We're doing the big Super Bowl podcast, Rams, Bengals, all the props, everything. It's all happening on Tuesday because Thursday is going to be the NBA trade deadline. So uh, we are going all NBA trade deadline on Thursday. Tuesday will be the football. And on that Tuesday pod, lots of props, lots of fun FanDuel stuff, same game parlay, everything. Everything you'd expect. Hopefully we'll actually win some of the bets this time. But there you go. Coming up, Jackie McMullen, Kevin O'Connor, NBA. We're just going in. We are going in. Let's do this. First, our friends from Pro Jam. All right, we're taping this. It is 4.30 Pacific time. Jackie McMullen is here. Kevin O'Connor is here. 
basketball stuff's heating up. Trade deadline is Thursday. We had a trade today. There's a whole weekend of Carden to anywhere rumors. KFC and I hopped on a green room on Friday, just batting around ideas. It seems like things have uh, have stagnated at least a little bit. I don't believe it. I think this is we're now at a little cat and mouse game with uh, with Philly and Brooklyn trying to get to where they want to go in the deal. What have you heard, Jackie? What are you hearing? What whispers are you hearing there in the East Coast? Well, you know, we all thought it was just going to happen in the offseason. Then all of a sudden it shifted. I, I feel like in the last 48 hours, everything started ramping up again. And I, I don't really know why that is. Um, other than maybe Ben Simmons is like, yeah, I'll go there. I don't know. You know, but something, you know, Ben Simmons, everyone's like, well, he's not driving the train, but he kind of is. Still hasn't played. He's losing all the money and it's obviously not phasing him the way it would phase the three of us, I would I <laughs> venture to guess. So, um, but, you know, Nash just said a few minutes ago, I think, nope, we're not trading James Harden. You know, he wants to be here. He wants to grow with us. I'm not sure I believe that, but. <laughs> I love Steve Nash. He's a wonderful Canadian. Oh, yeah, I do, he's I the do best. Not, he's the best. I do not believe it. I think this is all Yeah, he's the best. So he's Can't, doing what he's supposed to do, you know? It's public negotiating is what it is, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. KOC. Did Daryl play the Simmons thing actually weirdly well? It feels like Simmons has somehow gained value over the last couple weeks by not playing and by us getting further and further away from his disastrous Atlanta playoff series. Because now you're like Brad Bradley Beal, who we'll talk about in a second. That also seems like a realistic trade, which it would not have been realistic last summer. So his whole strategy of, I don't like any of the trades that are being offered. Let's just wait. The league changes, situations change. You never know. I'm going to be waiting here when things change. Did it actually work or am I crazy? I mean, it hasn't worked yet until the deal happens, but I've been saying for months he's playing this right. Why would you settle when you have a 25-year-old two-time All-NBA player in Simmons? I mean, knock him for for some of his flaws that he has, shoots with the wrong hand and everything else, but like he's a really good basketball player and he's 25 years old under contract. Why would he trade him for scraps when you could at least wait and play this out and see if by Thursday, James Harden walks into the Nets front offices and like, yeah, I want out or I'm probably leaving this offseason. That's that to me is like what Daryl Morey has been waiting for is a player that's worth waiting for. And whether that was Lillard or Harden or Beal or somebody else, um, he was hoping that that opportunity would come up. And I mean, we'll see. I, I think I think like Jackie said with Steve Nash, I don't believe what he said. Um, I believe like this is just right now at a stage where this is public negotiating with anything that's going to be dropping from Shams. I mean, like Doc Rivers brought up how, you know, Shams, Shams, Shams a clutch client. Clutch. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe Doc <laughs> actually said that. But like, I mean, that also is part of it, too. Like, that's part of the public negotiating. Oh, we don't care about, you know, that stuff that's out there. Just like Steve Nash is going to do what he's doing. And what what's going to be interesting and what what is like the big story that drops Tuesday afternoon from Woj or Shams that says Harden's meeting with the Nets to discuss his future. That That's the new story I'm looking for. So here's what I heard. This is from the same source that has given me some good intel over the last couple of weeks that Brooklyn is open to it, but Curry has to be in the deal. And you can aggregate hmm. away. I don't care. But it ha for them, Brooklyn is looking at this year because they have Durant. Durant, we assume, is going to be healthy pretty soon, and the East is wide open, and they want a chance to win. And for them, it's like the trade that makes sense for us is Simmons and Curry for Harden. This is what I heard. Um, 
I think that makes sense for a lot of reasons, except for Philly. I watched Philly today. I I watched our whole game. I like the team they have. And if I'm, if I'm adding somebody, I'm not adding something that blows up what I built over the last, you know, last couple of months here, Maxi, Curry, uh, Embiid, Harris has been fine, but what they really need is like, I, I think Bradley Beal, Jackie makes so much more sense from them because he just gets the cork mots minutes and some of the Danny green minutes and they keep everything else that they have. So if I'm them, I can get Bradley Beal for Simmons and picks. That's the direction I'm going. But what, what do you think? I'm just astonished that James Harden I get the Daryl and James Harden thing. I lived it. I went out there, did a cover piece for ESPN, the magazine, when he was there and, you know, the whole thing. And, but that was three, four years ago. If you, you just mentioned three names, I would put Dame Lillard one, Badly Beal two, and James Harden a distant third in my interest to build mm. my future. That's mm. how I'd look at it. Well, we're, so what we're hearing about Dame is that his stomach's pretty effed up. Right. And, I don't know if we see him this year and I haven't seen right. anybody come out. I mean, Chris Haynes is the one who has all the Dame stuff, right? So yeah. until Chris Haynes comes out and says, Dame's not playing this year, I'm going to assume we might see him again. But I think the word on the street is that, you know, his abdomen stuff is is okay. really bad and he might not come back. I understand that. But I guess if I'm Daryl Morey or the person that has Ben Simmons and I'm trading him away, I'm not looking at just this year. And I get right. that, I, I get the logic because... Joel is playing at a level that we all knew he could do. It was just a question, would he ever be able to stay, stay healthy long enough to do it? And now he's so healthy that they had to sit him against the Memphis Grizzlies because <laughs> the deal was he played too many games in a row healthy, which, you know, <laughs> just think about that for a minute. So I get the window being this year. Always try to win right away. And, I, and you and I learned that from watching that that wonderful collection of Celtics players we thought were going to win multiple championships. Everyone's like, we'll give them time to settle them. No, 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 no. Win now. Win now because the whole world could collapse. A pandemic could happen and Kyrie Irving might not be able to play half his games. You know, crazy things happen. So I'm all about winning now, but here's the but. If I'm the Sixers, I want something that's going to help me next year and the year after too. Not James Harden at fifty million a year after exactly. starting next season with Well, a, just look at the way James James Harden's body of work, body stressed on the body. Uh, and I'm not trying to body shame anyone, but he's his body is different. He he plays differently. He's not getting He's got a line. beer belly, Jackie. He has okay. a beer belly. Okay, yeah, you're gonna does. you're gonna do it. Okay, good. Kev. So that's on you, man. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um so I just man, I just wouldn't I would take Bradley Beal. I would take Dame Lillard even with the bad stomach, mm. and I'd take my chances for next year. Kev, this is what makes me nervous with Harden. I was going through all his numbers today. I did a lot of prep for this pod. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> Harden's at 921 <laughs> games, 137 playoff games, 36K minutes combined, which by the LeBron standards, it's like, oh, that's nothing. LeBron, LeBron's right. over 60. But by normal star standards, this is usually where the wheels start to come off at least a little bit, right? If if the conditioning's not totally there, if the body stuff's not totally there. And you look at like from 16 to 21, he was 31, nine and seven for, this is for five years. Um, 44% shooting, all that stuff. This year, he's shooting 41%. The threes are down, that's to 33%. The free throw attempts down to eight. And the eye mm -hmm. test is somebody that, if he doesn't have the ball, he just stands there. Defensively, he's a liability. And, you know, he's able to cheat 
by the fact that he is so talented, he can kind of pick his spots and still get his stats. But, you know, it's been a pretty unhappy team to watch. I just, when I look at the basketball reference page and the points per game and free throw attempts and stuff like that is going down and the guys sitting in their mid thirties, KFC, I, j- I just get nervous. I, especially for somebody who's going to expect a giant extension this summer, if he goes to Philly and Daryl's got to be really confident that uh, he believes in this guy as a human being and as a competitor and the work ethic piece, like you, you have to be all in because this is the kind of thing that gets you fired. Well, I mean, I think in year three, year four, of that contract when Harden is 35, 36 years old, I would have legitimate concern about at that point, what does he look like? What is a James Harden at that point where maybe he's already won a championship? But that's the point. Like it's the the first year and the second year and the third year with him where you have Joel Embiid still you hope healthy in the prime of his career where this team is already really, really, really good with what they have around Embiid. Adding Harden to that, regardless of his physical condition, regardless of the fact his numbers are down this season. I'm, I mean, I'm nervous about it down the line. But for now, like that automatically makes the Sixers better. Automatically makes them better. If if Curry's I, I, in the trade, question. I mean, it, like it's different with without Seth Curry in the trade. He's so important to their offense, and I and I'd be a little bit surprised if Philly ended up giving up Seth Curry. But I, I like too. you, Bill. I have heard I have heard Brooklyn wants shooting at the wing position. I mean, that's out there a lot right now that they're looking for shooting. Um, does that mean Joe Harris isn't coming back and they know it's something that hasn't been fully announced yet, um, considering the issues he's had with his re- rehab? Um, but ultimately here for Philadelphia, I think Harden is the clear, the clear number one of the targets that are even remotely realistic right now. Lillard injured right now. Beal, like total shell of what he's been the last two seasons. I mean, I really loved Bradley Beal. This year, I don't like Bradley Beal. He, he's, I mean, like talk about Harden's defense. It's been piss poor for Beal too. He's not good on that end, and maybe it's better playing with Joel Embiid. But um, I'll take I'll take the offensive, you know, juggernaut and Harden with what mm. he could be with Embiid. Like that gets me excited. Yeah, but I think you put Beal somewhere else with everything that's gone on. I mean, they started off so fast out of the gate, then it all it's all like what it's always been. You put him in a new environment with a guy like Embiid that's that's going to be like you can score all you want, man. I just want to win. Like this is just this is my year. Just come on, man, help me win. I, I just. I've seen it a thousand times. Players that you think are like, what the heck? And then they get to a new environment with a new coach, a new GM, new players, and they're completely rejuvenated on almost on the spot. So yeah, I was watching did show. He could do it, yeah. Yeah, I was watching them today trying to, in my head, thinking which guy made more sense, right? Especially crunch time, where they had Curry and Maxi out there. Embiid was incredible again. He was just, oh, just shredding Chicago. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then they were playing Niang, and they were playing Harris. So you think, okay, if let's take Beal, I guess Beal goes in the Niang spot, but he's playing really well. Like he, he hit the dagger three today. He's shooting 40% from three. He's got some size. Um, so then you think, well, he gets the maxi spot. Maxi's been pretty good too. Yeah, he's been great. You know, um, so he's, he's taken somebody's spot. Harden, I would assume Curry has to be in the deal. He also has to be in the deal because they have to match up the, the salaries yeah. and stuff. But I, I got to say, if I was a Sixers fan, I'd be kind of tormented by the Harden piece of this because I can, I can hmm. see it, right? It's so seductive. Such a sexy move. Oh, James Harden and B. On paper, we have two of the best 10 guys. <laughs> I just don't know if I trust Harden. And Jackie, what do we make of 
Harden is unhappy within a year. And now they're saying, no, no, he's not unhappy. But we've, come on. We, this is I'll beyond this. the smoke stage. But you know what I'll say? I'm going to stick up for Harden now. Just, okay. to, confuse, just to confuse our listeners. Um, <laughs> so the great thing about Harden, when this all happened last year, he went there and I thought, I think you and I were like, I don't know. How's this going to work? But he was the adult in the room. He just yep. was. Everybody said it. All the coaches, the players. I was on the road with them for that Milwaukee series when everything, when all the wheels fell off because Kyrie got hurt and everything. But everybody was telling me the same thing. You know, James Harden's the one holding people accountable. He's the one that's pulling the young guys to the side. He doesn't care about scoring. Remember last, remember last year? He's whipping the ball around. So I give James Harden props for that. And then now this year, he comes in, you know, Durant's been hurt. That's nobody's fault. That happens. And then Kyrie's got this weird situation where he's in and he's out, or he's out completely and he's in and he's out. And so it's all falling on James Harden again. And that wasn't the deal. You know, that wasn't the deal because James Harden's not stupid. He knows he's getting older. He knows the miles are revving up. And he also knows of his own reputation, which is by the time you get to the playoffs, he's gassed. So he's like, well, that's not going to happen in Brooklyn because I'm going to have these two other guys. Well, guess what? He didn't have that. So I'm not sure he's, I don't think he's like, I hate this place. I, I want out. I don't think it's like that at all. I just think he's like, man, this just wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. Right. Yeah, and he's also using the leverage of the moment, too, where it's like, if this is just going to happen this summer, let's do it now. And Beat's playing the best, and he's the healthiest out of any right. star on either team. Um, I guess, and by the way, I'm sure that the strained hand and the strained hamstring have to just be killing him. I mean, you really have to feel bad for James Harden, <laughs> Kev. Just, that strain hand, man, it's tough. Uh, uh, I mean, Beal has his little injury right now, too, that has him yeah, out. Yeah, what's I his mean, one? It's a, it's a, like a, a, li a ligament sprain in his wrist, yeah. It's not just the injuries either, though. It's the defensive effort by those guys, too. It's just, like, horrific. I mean, watch Harden for the Nets, and it's like, remember, remember when everybody criticized Harden for being one of the worst defenders in all of the NBA? That's what it's been like this last month. When for a while he's putting in effort, like Jackie said, like 100% right. Like when I was around the Nets, I was surprised how many people were saying, yeah, Harden is kind of the leader. He's our, he's our voice. He's the guy who sets the tone in practice and keeps the young players in line and communicates with them. It's like all positive stuff that you get from people who don't need to give it to you. And I, th I think with Harden, he's in a place now, assuming he does go through and at some point does talk to the Nets and expresses that he wants out. I think he's at a point, like Jackie said, I mean, Kyrie's playing half the games and Kevin Durant has a sprained MCL and we don't know like when he'll actually be back. Like there's naturally concern if he could re-injure. Um, if you're Harden, you're looking at Joel Embiid and you're seeing that team with Seth Curry there and all, you know, like if he stays and everything else, maybe you do jump ship. He showed he could jump ship from Houston. Why not do it again? And remember, you cannot, cannot overplay how important Daryl Morey is in all of this. And Tad Brown. I don't know if you noticed, Tad Brown's mm -hmm. with the Sixers now, too. That matters to James Harden. Those guys laid on the tracks for him. I mean, you, you talk to Daryl Morey about James Harden. You, it, you know, you're on the phone with him, but you're wondering if there are tears in his eyes. Like, it's like the way Doc Rivers used to talk about Kevin Garnett. He'd get, he'd get choked up every time he talked about him. <laughs> and that's how much Daryl Morey feels for James Harden. So don't undersell how important that is to James, too. Yep. You know, my this fear, is a guy that believed in him. My fear would, I was thinking about Chris Paul, you know, where that trade now is one of the most bizarre trades in the history of the league, the Westbrook trade, where Chris Paul seemed like 
it was kind of over for him, not even as an all-NBA guy, as an all-star, as like an impact guy, and that his body just couldn't hold up anymore in the history of the small point guards. Mm-hmm. That that it was just, he's moving in a different phase, and he was a bad salary. And then he went plant-based. There's been a ton of stories about this. He changed everything about what he was doing. And now, if you watch him this year, he looks as good as he looked in 2012. And it is all based on, he's like, he had a thing the other day, he's spending a million dollars on his body, he's following what LeBron did, and it was all stuff, it's all stuff he's been talking about really since before they made the trade, because there were stories about that he was doing this before they even did the Westbrook trade. Right, right. I wonder with Harden, for him to have another act where he's another top eight, top nine guy, I think it has to be something like that. I don't think he can do the old school 1980s, 1990s arc of an NBA player because I think it's going to, the arrow is going to keep pointing down. But if we read these stories this summer by whoever, and it's like James Harden, it's only eating plants, best shape of his life, <laughs> bought a, brought a crowd chamber for his, for his, uh, for his basement. And, and it's like that kind of stuff. You're like, oh my God, Philly's got him and Embiid, but who knows? I don't know what drives that guy. I can't figure it out. I don't think, any of us can figure it out, right? Hey, and by the way, don't forget what Joel Embiid did to become who he is now. Same kind of stuff. He loved Shirley Temples, and that wasn't a joke. Like he, he would drink <laughs> five or six of them at a pop, right. and they're mm-hmm. like they're like two hundred and eighty calories a pop or something crazy. He did the same thing. He was tired of people. You know, when he didn't make the All NBA team, he was in the delivery room with his. I think they were married, if not fiance at the time, wife at the time, having their first child. And he looked down at his phone. He's like, ah, I didn't make all NBA. And then his first child is born and he's like mad. And, you know, (laughs) sometimes it takes a hit to your, your, your ego, if you will. And I think some of that contributed to Chris Paul as well. I think the best thing that ever happened to Chris Paul, and people forget this, is he had that year waylaid in Oklahoma City Mm. where they were, they wanted to protect his body. They wanted to protect him. They wanted him to mentor Shea Gilgis Alexander, which he did. He mentored a lot of those guys. And, uh, and, you know, they said to him, look, we don't want you to play back to backs. He's like, screw that. I'm playing. But that was a, a bit of a humbling year, I think, because he was a little bit out of the limelight, right? A little bit out of the spotlight. But they made a deal. He and Sam Presti, you do this for me. You help my young team. I'm going to take you in. I'm going to make you feel like you like you should like you are you are, you know, an all star. And that's how we're going to, you know, appreciate you. And then I promise you, I'll get you somewhere good. And that, yeah. That, that that year was really important, I think, for Chris Paul. Well, I don't know if Harden has it in him. I don't know either. I don't know James well, Harden the, that well. So I don't know. What we know is if Philly can turn Ben Simmons, a guy who currently does not play, into James Harden, even if Curry has to be in that deal, um, st- like you'll run any statistical simulation and they're going to be better. I love the yeah. way Curry and Embiid play together. Um, I just think, I think they have real chemistry. I think that's really hard to find with a big guy. I don't think Embiid's, can't say Embiid's not like, I wouldn't call him the easiest guy to play with, but I think Curry has really figured out how to play with him. Maxie's kind of comes and goes. When I Maxie, don't know. Uh, I mean, JJ Redick had great chemistry with Embiid when he was there in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I mean, maybe it's like shooters uh, that do well with Embiid. Um, like Those little handoffs that he and, does you know, and then they cut yeah, around. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Those elbow actions, because Embiid can do anything off the dribble if they're overplaying on that to stop right. the shot. I mean, it, it's over with Embiid. Um, Jackie, when you were talking, uh, I was just thinking, does Ben Simmons have that in him if he goes to Brooklyn? See, I think Ben Simmons is a perfect fit in Brooklyn. Yeah. Perfect. If I'm, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets and I get Ben Simmons for James Harden, 
I am throwing a very big party because I don't care about the, the luxury tax. I could care less. And Ben Simmons has been sitting there all this time. And you're going to say to him, look, you don't want to shoot a lot? Awesome. We have two guys that really, really love to shoot. We don't care if you shoot at all. What we'd like you to do is play like defensive player of the year caliber defense, which, by the way, Ben Simmons has done every year since he's come into the league. But he never gets, I still don't think he gets enough credit for it. And we want you to take the ball in transition and go downhill and dare people to stop you because that's when he's at his best. Now people will follow him and make him go to the free throw line. If I were the Nets, the only thing I would say to him is, hey, how about if we just at least work on the free throw shooting? I mean, I just <laughs> think Ben Simmons has been sitting there. He has been getting um, mental health counseling, not from the Nets, from his own people. I spent a lot of time with Ben Simmons um, over the, you know, before the pandemic. Uh, working on a story that took me quite a bit of time. So I was around him a lot. I do think he has it as him. And, and I know, you know, the, I, don't, I don't agree with anything he's done this past year. I don't think it's a good look. I don't think when you're under contract, you should ever do that to a team. Uh, but I think in the right situation, like I always said to him, like I was always saying to guys the other day, some GM I was talking to the other day, like he's what the Celtics need. Imagine if he was on the Celtics and you didn't have to give up Jalen Brown for what do, you, what do you mean? We're going to the finals. <laughs> this is um, red hot, Jackie. What are you talking about? We oh, are. Okay. Oh, sorry. I missed that memo. Yeah. What are you talking about? The, the teams never look better. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to talk about Simmons more. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all-new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that, made with high-quality ingredients like seasoned slow-roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. All right, couple leftover uh, Philly things. So KOC, we talked about this a little on Friday. Are we positive Harden and Embiid make sense together? Even though like, of course, if you can get two of the best 10 to 12 to 15 guys in the league, you want them on the same team. But stylistically, are you 100% on that as a fit? Yes, and I want it badly. I think Harden has never played with a big like Embiid, and Embiid has never played with anybody who can create in the pick and roll half as good as James Harden can. I mean, with his shooting ability, get to the basket, draw fouls, whatever. Like I just get, I get excited about the idea of Joel Embiid being paired with him. Um, okay. it, it's like this is gonna take buy-in for sure, but um, I'm all in. Jackie, I'm not saying. Oh, go. You, you you go on that. I had a different question for you, but you go. Well, good. I'd rather answer a different question. Okay. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying there's there was tampering with this Philly Harden thing. Okay. We're not not accusing anyone of anything. Nope. We we're all mature adults. We know how the league works. We know that there's 
How's that parties. investigation going, by the way, for the, the free agency? Yeah. How's that investigation going? We we know how the league works. We know that there's mutual friends and connections and Meek Mill. All <laughs> yeah, Meek Mill's in there. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden there's a lot of smoke. That smoke doesn't come out of nowhere. If if you're Philly and mm-hmm. there's some smoke, and now Beal is potentially involved, and Embiid is pushing for Beal over Harden potentially but you already went down the road with Philly. Can you even back off at this point? Once once you open whatever Pandora's box got open, do you just have to see it all the way through? D- Daryl Morey we're talking about here. Yeah. Daryl Morey, he's going to do whatever's best for his team. And if he hurts okay. your feeling, oh, well, come on now. You know that. All right, backup question of that. Who was madder at Daryl Morey than the Nets and Joe Sy? There was always that thing about how uh, how yeah. Daryl was banned from the Net Sixers game, which was a whole thing two years ago. But this thing which that actually happened. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, and then you have who knows how Harden all of a sudden became seduced by the idea of playing with Philly again. Is it possible the Nets just go F you? We're not here's We're not our trading we, you. Yeah, we want yeah, we'll trade them, but you gotta give us Simmons Curry and give us three firsts. And that'll be the trade. You give us 125 cents of the dollar, some crazy thing. Or we'll, then we'll just, say, we'll just roll with what we have. Yeah. And then they'll say, okay, yeah, fine. And then Harden will say, hey, I wanted to go there. So screw you. I'm walking on you this summer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. that's why Brooklyn needs to be careful here. Mm. Okay. They need to be careful. Yep. Um, KOC, you get to choose. Brooklyn is either the worst Ben Simmons team or the best Ben Simmons team. If I'm like Rich Paul on Clutch Sports, I like it's top of my list. Top of my list of all, every team in the NBA for Ben Simmons. Top like, of the like list. Sutter. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so like, you, like Jackie you, said, you would earlier. rather have him in the in the limelight on a on like a playoff team that's in the news twelve months a year over like just going to like Indiana and just I'm yeah. out of the limelight. I'm just rebuilding my career. I mean, he he's in the limelight, but he's you know underneath the shadow of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. The, those are the guys that are going to get the majority of the credit and the blame. Um, but he's still in a big market, and he's it's an ideal basketball situation. Like Ben Simmons setting screens for Kyrie Irving, uh, Ben Simmons creating mismatches with Kevin Durant, um, ability ability to just alleviate the pressure on those guys and transition the defensive anchor that he could be on that team. Like they switch his screens in the top five rate in the NBA. And like, this is a switching defense. Ben Simmons is a switching defensive player. It's a perfect fit on defense. It's a perfect fit on offense for him specifically. I mean, the issue with Ben Simmons has long been his fit. It's always been a little awkward with Joe and Embiid, but it's worked. But fit is an issue because of his limitations. It's not, it's not a concern in Brooklyn. Like, this is a basketball dream for him and clutch like they should be doing everything they can leaking to every reporter that they can to get as much to get this to actually happen um so yes uh, it's a great fit i jack i think i agree with koc i actually think this is as a basketball situation even though there's pressure and they're going to be in big playoff games yeah probably not, a perfect fit for him yeah because the pressure isn't going to be for him to shoot that shot because no mm-hmm. one's going to be looking to him to do that now the only thing i would say that I do see as maybe a problem at times is Ben Simmons fancies himself as a point guard. I think he'd be an excellent point guard, kind of plays like one. So the only thing that I could see that might be problematic is that Kyrie Irving needs the ball in his hands. And maybe Ben Simmons doesn't get his ball on hands on the ball as much as you would like to, again, you know, in transition, because that's really, I mean, Kyrie's pretty good in transition too. So that may be the only thing I would give pause to, but I'm with Kevin here. I mean, if I'm the Nets, I, I like it better than what I have now. Now, here's the caveat. Mm. Here's the caveat. 
we don't know where Ben Simmons' head is at. We really don't because none of us have talked to him. You know, I don't know how serious his mental health issues are or were. Um, I think there's different kinds of mental health issues, you know. Um, I think some of it for him is goes all the way back. And when I did that story on him, I was just astonished to listen to his high school coach say, you know, he can either be a very good player the rest of his life or just get in the gym and accept being a 32% free through shooter and get it, a three-point shooter and get it over with and just be like everybody else and hit, you know, take five a game and make one or two of them, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so if that's the kind of mental gymnastics we're talking about, that's one thing. But as you guys know, Mental health covers a long, long range of things. And so I don't know what exactly what Ben Simmons is is wrangling with here. Well, you know, you know, it was the craziest piece of that Ramona story to me, which had had some nuggets in there. Oh, the yeah. fact that he was mad that Embiid blamed him for the last playoff series because he didn't blame Embiid for the Toronto series. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. And, <laughs> Embiid was like dominant in that Toronto yeah. series. Like the only reason they lost was they didn't have anybody to put in when Embiid needed a rest. So you, so, know, what my, you know what my theory on that too is? I think if everybody had just let, let Ben and Embiid alone, they would have been fine. It's all the outside voices on in both camps. The families, yeah. the the agents, they also often create the friction where if you just left the two players alone, they, they'd be fine. I really think Ben and Joel were, they weren't best friends, but they both wanted to win and they were going to make it work. It's everybody else that got involved that made that thing that created so much static for them. Yeah, I miss the old days when Bird and McHale didn't get along, but really they were the only two that knew about it and it was just all passive aggressive Exactly. stupid stuff, but you didn't have 20 other people, 10 from yep. each side. I think the Ben Simmons, like the wide between the family, which has been pretty rocky as far as NBA family goes pretty. There's been a lot of drama on that side and then clutch. And, um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that hasn't helped. KOC, anything to add on that before we move to the next one? I mean, I think the only thing I'd add, add to that is I remember a couple of years ago, someone in, you know, Simmons circle said, we view him as like a LeBron. Be, like you said, he wants to be a point guard. He fancies himself as a point guard. Yeah. Um, that That's like the only area for pause with him in Brooklyn. But I think he would accept and embrace after this year that he's had personally. Right. Um, and then maybe in three years when that contract is up, who knows? Kyrie might not be there anymore and he might get to be the full-time point guard. So Kyrie might, might not be there in a end. year, Kevin. Yeah, Kyrie might not right. be there in a year. Yeah, Kyrie that might exactly. not be in America. No. I mean, he might be playing in Greece. <laughs> like, wait, who knows what that dude? He, he might pull a Chappelle and just disappear yeah. for a while. <laughs> Next question, KOC. Does KD regret signing an extension? <laughs> I would uh, if I was Kevin Durant in that situation. Yeah, because he was so the he first must. one, right? And then, yep. You assume when then he'll take care of the other two, and here we go. We're going to roll with this, but. The other two are not taken care of. And it's a little bit similar to an OKC. He signed the five-year extension, if you remember, 2011, uh, 2010, right? It was the same summer as, uh, as LeBron. And it didn't have the out for the fifth year. And he was just like a mall in for half a decade. And I'm sure he regretted that at some point over the course of that five years, especially after they, they traded Harden. Um, this time around, I think he signed the extension, assuming it would be the first domino. And now there's no other dominoes. So any thoughts on that one, Jackie? I, I, I don't think Kevin Durant thinks the way you do. I think Kevin Durant's like, you know what? This is where I want to be. 
I made a commitment to them. I want my word to be good. Um, I think that I think he's a man of his word in many ways. I really do. And I think Kevin Durant's good enough and confident enough that he's probably like, bring someone else and I'll win with them too. I think that's the right answer. Next question. Jackie, is Steve Nash cursed? And do we need to have an exorcism for Steve Nash? Do we it's have to Steve hire Nash. a priest? <laughs> do we have to hire a priest with like holding a basketball and, it, and so it's like it's a conjuring not, movie? It's not Steve Nash. Um, I've had two different coaches who I adore say to me, it's the curse of Kenny Atkinson because they did Kenny Atkinson wrong. And he's one of the <laughs> nicest guys in the league and one of the most popular guys and one of the most hardworking guys. And I think everybody's like, it's the curse of Kenny Atkinson. Not the curse of Steve Nash. Steve Nash didn't do anything wrong. In fact, Steve Nash should have been coach of the year last year for juggling all the personalities and situations that he did last year uh, before it all, you know. I I don't think you're thinking this one through. Think of all the crazy shit that happened to him on the Suns. I know. And I then know. think of he goes to the Lakers and they're on the cover of SI and it's like, oh, they might yeah, win but, seven. But and I it's just, like a disaster. Yeah, but Steve Nash is everything that's right with the world. So I can't I'm with that. you. He's my guy. Yeah. I, I <laughs> just right. think so we need I to just... have an exorcism for him. <laughs> like, I can't, I, hey, think I about the Boston series last year with KD and Kyrie yeah. and Harden. And they're, they go on like, what was that one run where it was like, oh, the Celts are frisky today. And then Brooklyn scores like 40 points in a row. Yeah, uh, and we're like, oh my God. And it's just like the fact that this could be done in less than a year, Kev, I, I think is insane. I actually think if Harden gets traded this week, this is one of the most insane NBA stories we've ever had. Be going from his tank job in Houston to then it's to Brooklyn and here we go, the new big three. Oh my God. And I saw a thing today that Westbrook, LeBron and Davis have now played as many games together as Harden, Durant and Kyrie, wow. which seems impossible. <laughs> but That's wild. Wow. But KFC, like, this is insanity. Yeah, and it could even get crazier. Like, imagine if the deal actually happens in that first game where the Nets are playing in Philadelphia. <laughs> know, you right? got Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant rolling but, up. So Second it, round, third round of the playoffs. I'm, I'm fired up even just at the thought of it. <laughs> like, here's my question. If, if Ben Simmons gets traded, does he play right away? Is he miraculously ready to play? I don't then? know. I don't know. I'm said, they said a couple week ramp up. I wonder if that ramp up's begun already. Who knows? Right. I would think. I yeah. just you you think at least at like, least what two if, weeks. What if Ben Simmons ends up in Sacramento after all this? Or <laughs> Indiana. I mean, we saw. We'll talk about that <laughs> Indiana trade yeah. in a second. But Indiana yeah. is that in fire sale mode apparently for what they got for Levert. And I know now. Man, I'm, now I'm expecting. That was crazy. I'm. That was who crazy. knows? Who knows what's next for them? Um, blame Pike have. Harden, Kyrie, uh, other factors, this Brooklyn mess, which they've now lost eight straight. I want to default to blaming Kyrie because I do feel like, you know, this is now three straight franchises that we've seen complete dysfunction. And at some point, we have to start <laughs> looking his way at least a little bit. I think that's fair. Um, but the, I don't know if Harden has, I, he could have shut down the trade rumors two weeks ago and it could have been a dead story right away. He didn't. And you know, the team went in the funk right away. So blame pie, who would you go with? Um, I mean, like I think Kyrie being a half a part-time player by default, um, but more than anything else, I think it's just overall circumstances for the Nets. It's just been too many guys have gotten hurt in addition to Kyrie 
being, you know, in the situation that he's in because of the, the mandate in New York. So, I mean, it's just really overall circumstances for the Nets. Who could have predicted all of this to happen all at the same time? Yeah, I'd go Durant, Durant's injury, which just allowed this number unravel. one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And then one. I would go yeah. Kyrie, who, you know, is it's another year where it's a super dysfunctional team and he's at the forefront of it. And this is now, I don't know how many years we've seen this. Jackie, any, what would you say? Well, if we can take the blame pie back a bit, um, shouldn't the Nets as a whole take a certain part of the blame for just making up their minds that like, all right, we're going to take on all these guys and they're going to tell us how it's going to go and we're going to follow. You know, so they, you know, DeAndre Jordan has to be part of the deal, right? So no, look, every GM in the league would do that. I would do that. Sure. DeAndre, because <laughs> by the way, DeAndre Jordan's a really good guy. He's a good guy in the locker room, yep. you know, and, and he fell off the cliff really fast. So, but anyway, so we'll agree that we'll take that on, but, but, you know, then you got to trade Jared Allen who should be making his first all-star appearance and isn't maybe yeah. he will as a replacement, Agreed. But, but anyway, mm -hmm. so I think it, you know, like you, you talk about the dysfunction. I think they invited the dysfunction by some of the decisions they made uh, that were dictated by the guys who were coming to that team. So, I'm going to slip a little of that blame in there. That's a good one. And mm. the Jordan thing, it's basically a two-headed mistake, right? Because one, when they gave him that contract, people were like, wait, what? He hasn't been right. in two years. What, what is going on there? And then two, he should have just been thrown in that trade, um, you know, when instead of like the Jared Allen, because they had to get rid of Garrett Temple's contract and that's why Allen had to be right. in it. And it just should have been Jordan, but they were, those guys were trying to stay loyal to Jordan, well, but that is a huge well, you know, mistake. The, but the revisionist history on that as well, Jared Allen was going to be a free agent and we couldn't have paid, you know, we couldn't afford to pay him the hundred million that he got, well, that he ended up getting. That's insane. I mean, at the very least you couldn't can sign agree. and trade him. He's an asset. And then I couldn't agree more. Why, where was, so, why, why isn't Houston putting just Jared Allen in their pocket to figure it out? They end up getting Levert, turning him to Old Depot. They get Old Depot for like a month, a month and a half, flip him to Miami. And then if you look at what they got back from Miami, they basically got zero for him. Mm. So they take whatever the assets were in that trade that were the actual players and got zero, which brings me to my next question because I still, I'd like to go on the record. I still hate what Houston got for James Harden. You could argue it's actually the more that time goes here in a year, um, and with Harden, the arrow maybe pointing down a tiny bit. Maybe it was a good trade. I still don't like the trade. Here's what they got. They got first-round picks in 22, 24, and 26, right? So one of those picks is this year. We know that's not going to be a top-10 pick. They got swaps in 21, which is moot, 23, 25, and 27. And then they got the ability to dump Allen and Temple to get a late first from the Cavs. And with that old depot thing is like some weird Miami Brooklyn swap. So if you're just talking swaps, I don't see any scenario where if Kevin Durant is healthy, that those swaps will come into play with Houston for the next two years. So now you're just talking about a bunch of picks. Now you could say, oh, well, this is how Boston got Tatum. I don't know. I, I Boston got Tatum partly because Prokhorov, for whatever reason, was like, whatever strategy we had, let's do a 180 on that. And fire sale and and basically torpedoes the team. And that, that was a gift from God. I don't know if that happens again. KOC, I still don't like what Houston got. Have you changed your mind at all? 
Would you rather have Ben Simmons if you're Houston with everything that's happened and how he might be in a situation where they're losing in there and there's really no hope? I mean, and that's in that scenario, who's to say he wouldn't be pushing his way out of Houston so quickly like Harden might be now with Brooklyn? I think the picks are the safer the bet and they give you the ability to be flexible during the off seasons. In any event, any player might become available or if there's a player you want to trade up for and target. Like if they if they are, end up with the fourth pick in this year's draft, they now have the ammo to put together and say, okay, we're going to trade up the two to get the guy that we want. Uh, I think that's where the true value but, comes into play for the Rockets. But wasn't that Simmons trade? It wasn't just Simmons. It was Simmons and a bunch of picks. And Brooklyn kept throwing in picks from their end, but Simmons was such a bigger trump card than... So, I I don't know. I I would have taken Simmons. I just think that was the better offer, and that's where I stand. Was that a Tillman Fertitta thing? Like, do we know that for a fact that he just wouldn't deal hard into Maury? As a fact? I don't think it helped, but from what I heard, Harden and Durant wanted to play together and Mm -hmm. lobbied Josai pretty hard. What did you hear on that, Jackie? Anything? Yeah, that's what I heard, too. But who knows? Everything everything gets changed around now because of the way things have gone. <laughs> and you you talk about the picks, and you just never know with picks because one one catastrophic injury changes a franchise's situation entirely, and and then all of a sudden that pick that you thought was never going to be worth anything is is really pretty a pretty high pick. Well, it's also a great thing if you're a GM trying to keep your job for multiple years. Like, look at all these picks. Well, we won't right. know till the picks. KOC, yeah, if you ever true. become a GM, trade for a lot of firsts. You can just point to them and go, <laughs> hey, you know, that, that 2025 pick swap. You'll never know. <laughs> so Katie and Harden are the other interesting piece of this, and I want to talk about that after the break. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. going to start wearing shorts. Start wearing bathing suits. Just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, Katie and Harden. I think we all agree they pushed to play together. I think they lobbied Joe Sy and the Nets management to make this happen, and that was ultimately why Harden went to the Nets. I would assume they still have a friendship and a relationship. I would assume KD, who's been pretty quiet other than going at Stephen A this week, I would assume <laughs> that he's lobbying Harden to stay. But I would also assume Brooklyn's management is like, here's what I think we could get if Harden leaves. We don't think we're going to sign him. We're worried about this, that. I just wonder, like, what do we think Durant's role is even during this whole saga? Is he conciliary for Nets management? Is he like, I'm out. I don't care. I'll play with whoever. He's had the ability with, uh, you know, he didn't talk to Westbrook. For a while, I think him and Harden were close and closer in OKC and then not as close. And then they became close again. Like he might just be, I don't care, do whatever I'm out, or he might be involved. KSC, what do you think? 
I mean, if if you're KD, like he is like a basketball junkie. Like he he did those videos analyzing high school players years ago. He loves it. Uh, if you're a Kevin Durant watching James Harden right now, in the back of your mind, you got to be like, eh, this isn't the James Harden that I was with in OKC. It's not the Harden mm. that I watched win an MVP in Houston. Maybe getting a 25-year-old Ben Simmons who can be the anchor of our defense and be a point guard, a facilitator for us on offense. Maybe that could be better for us. Oh, and uh, on to top of it, like he doesn't fucking move on offense. So maybe he's exactly. like, oh man, I thought it would be more fun to play with James than maybe it is. So maybe he moved off that. Is that possible? It's gotta be possible. I mean, like, how could it not be possible? How how can like Katie not look at the games and see Harden just just looking into space? as offensive players back cut behind him and not get frustrated and in the same way, like with LeBron James with Russell Westbrook right now, like you have like the basketball analysts inside of these players has to be saying, eh, I don't know. I don't know about this. There's, there's going to be something better for me to win a championship. And I, I think for Harden, you're right, Jackie, you said it earlier for the Nets. I like that version of the Nets more. If they're able to get Simmons and a pick and a player, Danny Green, maybe, um, if you're Kevin Durant, I, I like the idea of that too. Jackie, when did the NBA turn into an elementary school with people just <laughs> jumping friend groups and changing friends I and know. all of a sudden <laughs> yep, Becky you can't and Elizabeth aren't hanging out anymore? Yeah. And, oh my God, yeah. what happened? They don't talk. Yeah. What I happened? Know. But that's AU. I mean, it goes back to AU because that's where you learn all that stuff, you know, on the bus rides and the whole thing. And, and I, I will say this about KD though. He supported Kyrie Irving start to finish publicly. Now, I don't know what goes on privately, but publicly, he has supported him. There hasn't been one wavering moment publicly. And I think that's sort of how KD rolls. And I kind of like that about him, to be honest. You know, now, I don't, you know and I'll, I'll say this for LeBron, too, uh, Kevin. I'm sure everything you said about him watching Russell Westbrook, but he hasn't said anything either. Mm-mm. So, like, if you want to secret, you know, have some private conversations or thoughts about it that's fine but both of those guys publicly have supported their player supported their teammate that's fair so dame we don't feel like we'll be in this trade deadline switching gears no but i don't i do think mccollum no. could potentially be in there and you look at new orleans i was looking they, at all they the, all gotta the... do something oh my goodness they have got to do something so since december 1st new orleans is basically 500 right and um, I don't know if Zion coming back this year or not, but you know, the embattled GM, that's always a team that's usually going to try to swing for some sort of fence. They have a bunch of picks. They could package together a McCollum trade pretty nicely. There's been a lot of McCollum buzz with them. And I don't know, it could be like Devante Graham, expiring contract. Keep, yeah. Keep whatever. Caroling, Josh Hart. Yeah. 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 Put together Hart, a couple Hart's, contracts. Yeah. Hart's the name out there Hart's a lot the right name. now. Yep. Yeah. KOC, do you, if, if you're in New Orleans, are you trading for a two guard who's making 30 million bucks? Like to what end? What am I getting? I mean, you got to bolster the team around Zion and I mean, hope he's healthy. I mean, even forget Zion for a minute. You got to give Ingram a scoring partner. Um, but I think for New Orleans, I, I would like CJ McCollum there. Um, th- I mean, it's not perfect, but it's something. It gives you a perimeter playmaker who's better than Devontae Graham. Uh, I, it's an upgrade for sure. And this, this is a team that's trying to make a name for itself. So I like it in that sense with the position they're in. I like it too. What do you think, Jackie? Yeah, I do. And I, I think Zion just looms so large over all of it. Even before he got hurt, you know, you and I were joking about him wanting to play for the Knicks. You know, we were kidding. 
sort of, maybe. <laughs> and so, you know, you just want Zion to want to stay, whether he's healthy or yeah. not. And there's been some, obviously there's been some friction. Whenever a player's hurt for this length of time, it's impossible for the team and the player to be on the same page. I don't care who they are because you start doubting yourself, then you start doubting them. And, you know, that's just human nature almost. So if I'm the Pelicans, I want, to, I want Zion to say, ah, that was a good trade deadline for us. Man, I'd like to play with that guy. I hope I can get back. I want to I want to play with CJ McCollum. Everyone likes playing with CJ McCollum. I never heard anybody say a bad word about him in terms of being a teammate or anything. He's an awesome guy. I, I yeah. was he came on my pod last year and I had to apologize to him for throwing in a trade rumors for five years because <laughs> he was always, you know, it was always do Dame and CJ ultimately make sense if those are your two best players. Right, right. With with the Zion thing. So I'm I'm gonna spoil something right now. I'm, I would bet anything on this. He's going to sign the extension. He's had three major injuries well, he already. Has to. He's, yeah, he yeah. has to. You can't mess around. That's it's too much money. But but that doesn't but mean I, you stay there your whole career. Right. But I think to, you made the key point. McCollum, Ingram, you know, now you bring Zion back. Now you have Valanciunas, yeah. who's been really yeah. good for them. Now it's like, now you have the, you have some yeah. adults out there and then you're, sure. you're building at least something and you have some picks to make a, yeah. a oh move Lonzo ball oh wait yeah we, yeah we the, lost the, him. the Lonzo piece was indefensible but <laughs> unbelievable are, are you are you sure about that with Zion like because I, I think if Zion didn't play again until 2023 somebody would still give him a max contract like if he just didn't play until summer 2023 he'd oh, get no, a max I, offer I still I think he's getting oh, the no. max contract yeah. regardless I'm just saying New Orleans has the chance this summer to give him some security, which I think he's going to take. I don't, I don't, if you're him, where well, you're going to mess around with that for a year and be like, ah, you can't, you can't. let's see. It's maybe, like the guy, maybe we have no idea. Oh, oh, what do you know? Maybe. KOC. Oh, Kev's oh, going to say, know. let's roll I, the dice. I, I don't know anything. I, I'm just, I'm just saying with Zion here, why not roll the dice? Like if you do want to leave, if you actually do, you're making $13.5 million in 2022, 2023. And then that following summer, who knows? I mean, if he did sign it, he's still making in the high teens you know, for that last year before he can become unrestricted again. Um, so I, I think for Williamson, it's it's not a guarantee, but it's that's why the Pelicans do need to bring some adults into the room, as you said, and make this team appealing, make it a place that he wants to stay. We're, 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 so we're not even talking about this months from now. It's so tough because it's the one year where you can't replace the money. Any other time, yeah. you talk yourself into it, but this is like just fundamentally a $20 million loss that you can't replace unless you know you're going to a city like New York and you and you could say, well, if we do this, Nike's going to give me a $25 million bonus or whatever. Like, and you can replace the money with sponsors. But, you know, they with do, New Orleans, so, RJ. We didn't talk about my guy Herb Jones either. I I apologize for for leaving him out because he's been a, just a delight <laughs> as a rookie. And if you bring in McCollum with that, even if Zion doesn't come come back, that could be a fun frisky uh, play-in team. Um, just in general, the play-in situation in the West is like it's it's grisly. Like Portland's still in there as a as a tenth seed. They're you know they're it looks like they're trying to sell. Indiana became a seller, which I think we expected. So basically for Levert, they get a lottery protected first round pick from Cleveland. And then they get this Houston second rounder that will be, you know, in the low thirties, which is a nice pick, but I thought they'd get more for, for him. Um, 
why why did Indiana do this now, Kev? And was there anybody else out there that could have given him more than this? Because I was surprised by that this was the trade. I mean, I I disagree. I think it's a good return for Indiana here. They get two picks in the the 20 to 32, 33 range, depending on where Houston falls. That's going to give them a lot of flexibility on draft night. Similar to what I said earlier about like with Houston, if Indiana ends up fifth or sixth, um, they'll have some ammo to move around. Um, the, the problem for them is this, like, as you get deeper into the first round, this year's class seems like it'll be weaker. Um, we'll see how that changes before June. Um, but those picks in 2022 don't necessarily have the same value as some of the deeper drafts that we've seen in recent years. But with Levert, I don't think there's people lined up around the corner for him. He's been a notoriously inefficient scorer for years now. Um, his most efficient season of his career, or maybe the best, was his rookie year. Um, so for him, I, I think with Levert, he's a volume scorer, and there's some value there for Cleveland, but it's no guarantee to, to be a A-plus result for the Cavaliers on this end either because of his scoring inefficiencies. Yeah, except for he does do what they need, which is drive to the basket, draw people. Yep. That's exactly what Cleveland needs, which they're missing right now. Cleveland's so fun. I'm really excited. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I think they're a really fun team. And I like Darius. I mean, everyone loves Darius Garland. It's too bad Sexton is gone. They're, they're such an interesting team. So I, I think Indiana, the one thing you can never discount with them, uh, old school owners, they're watching their luxury tax line. They want to get way under. They want all sorts of cap space. I, I, I hope they don't. Tr I mean, well, actually, I do hope they trade Sabonis. I'd like him to see him go somewhere where he could be a little more relevant in the league. Because I just, well, I know you like him too, Bill. I just love watching him play. And, um, you know, we always thought they would trade Miles Turner before Sabonis. It looks like they might even trade both if this really is the fire sale that we keep hearing it might be. Yeah, and Turner's hurt. So um, well, Turner, that's the problem with Turner. That that yeah. killed every that killed their plan, you know. I think he, he already would have been traded. Yeah, he would have been so, gone already. So KFC, I I wanted the Cavs to get Gordon. I thought he made more sense with the team they have. Uh, I also think he's playing well. Um, and I think that would have been a fair price for Gordon if they had done that. I guess the case with Levert is he's 27 and he's bounced around a little. He's been in different types of situations and you know, if you're looking at it and you're just like, all right, this is our team now, you know, where we have, you have Mobley and Allen, you have Kevin Love and Marketing, you have Garland, you have Levert, you have Okoro, you have Osman. And, and Sexton. And Sexton when he comes yeah, back. Yeah, when he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have some picks that you accumulated too. To me, this, this was a move, I'm guessing, I haven't read any of the stories yet, that they really thought about this for five, six weeks. And they were like, this is actually the guy we want to add. Southern contract this year, next year. Um, and if he does well, we can extend him. But I think for just watching them, I thought Gordon would have made I thought adding him in a playoff series, I trust him more than Levert. I think Levert's kind of a ball stopper. That's I, I, I'm not positive about him with the flow that this team has. So I guess we'll find out. You seem like you're down on it. I mean, he's definitely leans towards scoring. I, I don't know if I'd go full ball, ball stopper. Um, he can pass a little bit. Um, and maybe surrounded by the talent they have in Cleveland, he leans into that even more. Um, but he's not like a like a orchestrator or conductor of the offense by any means, which is why, like Jackie said, he, he brings 
what they need in the sense that they need downhill, a guy who can attack the basket, and that can complement the perimeter-oriented game of Darius Garland and give them, I mean, like you can shuffle different pieces with Jared Allen or Evan Mobley. There's so many different pick-and-roll combinations that they can play with um, and that can be effective together. So like, I, I like it for Cleveland. I don't love it. Um, similar to like you said, Bill, because of just the natural Eric Gordon fit, what he would have been there. But he's also six years older. Yeah. And he doesn't fit the timeline of what that core is. So this this is clearly a trade for Cleveland that's about more than just this season. It's about the future and growing Levert into something that they want him to be that fits everything else. Well, in the Kevin Love rejuvenation season, Jackie. <laughs> Who would have thought? We, he was like way back in the freezer. He was like oh covered gosh. with ice cubes and like seaweed. And you're like, what is that? Is that a pizza? And you're right. You're pulling, you're pulling. It's like, oh my God, it's Kevin Love. Hey, he's delicious. I forgot. Yeah, what a comeback story. Well, you forget how good he is. You know, seriously, you forget how good he is. Again, it's all about fit. You said that earlier, Kevin. And I would say 95% of all NBA players, it's all about fit. It's, and, and, and your mental attitude. And, you know, his attitude sucked. He deserved to get criticized. I think he knows that, you know. Yeah. He was, you know, he was like, man, I'm a champion. I don't need this crap, you know. And so now all of a sudden they're kind of fun to be around. And he helps them. He does. He's had a nice little, I mean, he's really been good. Well, you know what's been great? And I, I've thought this forever. I mean, I just feel like I know he won a title in Cleveland. He'd probably do that over again. But just the worst possible team for him to go to for what his skills were. I just love when he's around the basket. Right. And when you're, when you're just putting him in the corner and you're putting him 25 feet away, you're taking this guy who his single greatest gift is his instincts around the basket for his Mm. offensive rebounds, for the ability to grab a defensive rebound and send a pass out. And all of these things that if he's just standing in the corner, like Jay Crowder, Right. I, I'm not using those gifts. So I mean, it's been nice to see it again this year. Well, and he's, you know, he completely changed his body. You were talking before about changing your body. Think about Minnesota Kevin Love and what this Kevin Love looks like. Go back and look at the old photos. You know, mm. he completely remodeled his body, too, because he had to, because he saw what was happening. He was smart enough to realize the game's getting away from low post centers. If I want to survive, I got to be able to shoot threes and I got to thrive out here on the perimeter and I got to figure out a way to do it. So he completely underwent a complete change in his body. He's another guy that he's not plant-based, but he's close. And he, you know, he watches every single calorie puts into his body. So he made that, he made that change ahead of most of the other guys. Like, you know, Roy Hibbert all of a sudden looked up and he's like, oh crap, what happened? Wait, I can't play anymore. How come? You know? And, uh, but Kevin Love was, Kevin Love was sort of planning for it. Hey, Kev, since December 1st, the two best records in the league are Memphis at 26 and 8 and Phoenix at 24 and 7. And nobody else is really close to, close to them within four or five games. Not surprised by Phoenix. They've been the best team start to finish all year. Memphis, who you were on a pod last week and you did the whole Memphis love, it, love fest, which I totally agreed with. Um, the fact that they're 26 and 8 that's a real record. That's, and now I'm starting to wonder what's the ceiling for this team. And we talked about, um, just like, is this a team that should go in with Sabonis? We talked about this on a podcast I did a couple of days ago, so I don't want to rehash that part, but is this to you? Is this 2010 OKC? This will be a fun ride. We'll get our feet wet. Or is this something a little more special and a little more profound? Could this be the 2013 Pacers? or 2012 Pacers. I can't remember what their first run. Could that be one of those? Or is this like a feel-good story that ultimately dies in round two? 
I mean, if it dies in round two, is that a bad thing? I mean, that's that's pretty special still, I think. If they were able to make it to round two in, in this Western Conference playoff race and lose a tough, hard-fought series, or even losing five. No, I see, think, I think Jackie, I, that's KOC's I mean, generation. See, trophy no, generation. I, no, that's, hey that's guys, not true. I mean, we made no, a game that's not true. Uh, Here's your trophy. No, that, that's that's not true. <laughs> I, I I'm all about blowing it up and trying to get to win a championship. That yeah. should be the goal for every franchise. And I think with Memphis, that's that's why I have the perspective that I do. I think if they make a rash decision to try to rush this, that could be that could be ne- a negative for them when it comes to actually winning and competing for championships in the years to come. This core is so young. Yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned almost with how far they go in the playoffs this year. It's about the development of these players and how they've grown together. Like it's it's remarkable that they're in this position that they are now. It's crazy that they're right here right now. So the playoffs and how that results for them, I mean, it's all part of getting experience so they can actually win it someday. So I, I'm so, down with that. But Jackie, I feel like so there's I, three really good teams right now, and they're one of the three. And I would actually be thinking like, holy shit, we could actually like make the finals with the team we have. Well, it, they remind me of Trey Young in Atlanta last year. John Morant is Trey Young, you know? He's just exploding. And he's just, he's got all the positive self-talk you could possibly want and enough to pass out to the rest of the guys on his team to share a little bit too. <laughs> you got great stories all over the place. Desmond Bain. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. to me is still the key to that team because he's yeah. had so many ups and downs with injuries. I, I think he's a terrific basketball player and we haven't even come close to seeing what he can be yet. I still believe that. I mean, he's had some injuries as we know. Um, so they they just remind me of Atlanta, you know, who got to the conference finals last year. Remember? Yeah. So, all right, turn the camera on, Kyle. So I, I've been watching a lot of Jaw. I'm going to say something that's completely sacrilegious. I want you to bear with me, especially you, Jackie. Like, I don't want you to like kill over anything because this is like this is <laughs> this is like the most hi- hyperbolic thing I'm I'm going to say. Oh in a while. no! Okay, make get a drink first. Oh, I Wa- wish it was whiskey. It's just tea. Go ahead. <laughs> Watching Ja. No, I'm not going to like this. I already know. Go ahead. So we were there for late for young Jordan. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're not comparing him it, to Jordan. It, just wait. <laughs> this is why I said take a breath. Take a breath. Take a breath. Jordan, the most fun part of him the first couple years was when he would go to the basket and he would go up and crazy shit would happen and there would be these double clutches and pumps or he'd dunk over somebody and it got to the point. And plus back in that era, guys were clotheslining him, guys were undercutting him. So there was a fear factor too, which I think we have with Ja. But the thing that was so great about him those early years was just how exciting it was to watch him go to the basket. And he was just doing stuff we really hadn't seen other than people like Dr. J. But even with Jordan, it was these double clutches. It was these him sideways, 40 to five, five degree angles and, you know, these spins. And it's like these, how did they, how did he do that moments? And watching Ja this year reminds me of that. And I, I'm not saying he's Jordan and I'm not saying he's the next Jordan, any of that stuff. I'm just like, when, when I watch him do that, it really reminds me of young Jordan where there's mm-hmm. a lot of, how did he do that stuff? I initially, I was like, he's Derek Rose. He's next Derek Rose. He's like Rose Westbrook, like the same kind of thing. Rose and Westbrook w- couldn't do the stuff that he does. The the double clutch, the triple clutch, the the crazy fucking shit that he does. Wow. It reminds me of a- 80s Jordan. I'm sorry. And the other thing that John Morant has done that those guys didn't do is John Morant can shoot. He's right. teaching himself how to shoot. 
well, I'm sure he's getting some help. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the early knock on him was, well, he's just one of those guys, exciting guys, but he can't, you know, teams will, defense will just sag off him and he can't make him pay. Well, I just don't think that's going to be true. So he's really fun to watch, but I'm sorry. I just can't go there with you. So sorry. I Listen, I'm not going all the way there. I'm not saying the Jordan. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying this one specific quality really okay. reminds me of Jordan. KOC, was that too hyperbolic or no? I mean, it's probably too hyperbolic, but he, he sure as hell is fun. And I'm, I'm not going to let comparisons ruin my enjoyment of watching John Morant just like weasel his way to the basket or speed burst his way to the basket or just launch himself to the basket. Like he does it in so many different ways with the left hand, with the right hand. Like the other day against Orlando, like you mentioned how like Jordan would be getting clotheslined. Yeah. Ja had this layup where it was like this left foot left hand scoop finish and the Orlando help defender kind of the, the way he timed his jump. He like hit jaw flat to the ground unintentionally, mm -hmm. but it was just like one of those moments that reminds you of basketball from the past when they were intentionally getting close on But jaw is like remarkable and um, I can't get enough of watching him drive to the basket. So in that sense, I love it very he's, much. He's a lock, it, right? For all NBA. We agree that like which yeah, team oh, is yeah. he on? If he could which stay team? Oh yeah. Which team? Well, I'm just curious. I'm curious. I think he's probably grabbing the Curry spot if he can stay healthy the rest of the year. You really think so? Wow. I think it's yeah. in play for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, First or second. Yeah. That's yeah. He's spot. he's in the mix. Yeah. You know, the other guy who's like this, just in, in this discussion of the going to the basket in the air stuff, mm. young Kobe was like that too, right? I, I think as Kobe got older and kind of that 2006 to 2009, Kobe became kind of the dominant Kobe memory for people. And they, you know, it was just, right. it was more recent and, he was the focal point. He, he had a little more space because Shaq wasn't there anymore. But you watch those early, those late 90s Kobe games, you know, it, and that was, you're just like, oh my God, this guy, the way he goes to the basket, Jesus. Vince was well, a little like that too, but Vince was a lot bigger. I think yeah. Ja, young Kobe, MJ, they were, they were like kind of, there's a frailty to their bodies where you're nervous as they're right. going up. Well, you know that Kobe, I did a piece with Kobe once a million years ago. I was it. I think I was at ESPN. I can't remember, but I sat down and watched film with him. I watched film of Oscar and he showed me what he stole from Oscar. We sat down and watched like a lot of Jordan mm. film and he, he just stole everything. He was a thief, like all the great ones are really. <laughs> yeah. And he was telling me early on in his career, he said like a lot of the stuff Jordan was doing, I, was, I couldn't do. Like he didn't, know how to, he didn't know how to post guys up. He didn't know how to post guards up in the post, right? That was something yeah. Jordan told him about later on. But he's like, but I knew I could, I had the athleticism to do. So he would like, have films with Jordan. He would just sit there and watch him, kind of like Michael Cooper used to did when he was trying to figure out how to guard Larry Bird. He'd just watch him over and over and over again. So the fact that you think that reminds you of Jordan, that's that's by design. That's not by accident. Now, I'd be interested to know, like, has John Morant ever sat down and watched film of Kobe or, or Jordan? Or he probably hasn't. He probably is like, hey man, I'm my own guy and this is how I this is how I do it. But I'd be curious to know. Well, the <laughs> thing what the thing that the all three of those guys had, young Kobe, young Jordan, and what we see from Jaws. He's going to the basket and he's not, he's going to decide later yeah, in, what in he's going to do, right? Flight. He's yeah. just like, I'm, I see <laughs> a lane, I'm jumping, and then I'll kind of figure yeah. it out as this guy bounces off. And I right. think that's such a rare quality. Like Doc was like that too. Yeah, Doc was the, Doc was, oh well, my Connie God. Ha Connie Hawkins was the first yeah. one. But Doc I didn't was, get to see Connie Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. Well, but very few of us did because, yeah. you know, he's blackballed. But, yeah, Dr. J for sure. In fact, I was just talking to Dr. J for a project you and I are involved in a bit. Yeah. And he was telling me that, um, you know, the first, you know, foul line slam dunk, he, he, 
he wasn't planning on it. You know, he was like going to go do the Big Dipper laying, you know, and all of a sudden he's like, wow, I'm kind of, I think, wait, <laughs> wouldn't you love, wouldn't you love to be in the air and say, ah, should I lay this in or should I dunk it? Like just one time in your life, <laughs> wouldn't you love that? Oh man, I would, I would kill for that. Well, that Go was the it. famous 1980 finals play when he does the swoop under the basket. Yeah. All right, we're taking one more break, then a couple more things, and then we'll go. All right, KOC, quick hits, because we had the trade deadline. It's four days away. Let's start here. Pat Williams, is, is he still on Chicago and uh, on Friday? Yes. I say yes. What do you say, Jackie? Yes. So their move will be Derek Jones. They'll they'll move around the fringes, but they won't actually yeah. make a real yeah, move. They, they don't they don't need to. Okay. Um who is on Portland out of Nurkic and McCollum or both or neither on Friday? Neither. You think both are gone? Yeah, both gone. Yeah. Jackie? Um, I think McCollum goes, maybe Nurkic stays. Only yeah. because I mean, they don't Nur get the deal yeah. they want. A little, a little a little more iffy on Nurkic. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. agree with that. Well, the awesome thing about Nurkic, great contract. Yeah. He also but looks like um he also looks like Moe's, you know, Dwight Schrute's cousin Moe's, doesn't <laughs> yeah. he? <laughs> yeah. Um all right, will Washington trade Beal, yes or no? No. I don't think so. No, yeah. Nope. No, they'll, um, they're, you know what they're going to do? You know what they're going to do. They need to get under the cap too. They want to get under the luxury cap. They want some of Brooklyn's money <laughs> and mm. the Clippers money. So they'll deal Schroeder. I think they'll get, they'll deal Schroeder to somebody, um, and get, and find a way to get under that number. The Toronto Raptors since December 1st, 19 and 10. Oh, my team. How about my boy Siakam? You know, you, you, you were argue. the last believer. You were. You were. You I was. Were it. You I were the last one. I told you he was going to be back. I told you. And you know, you could argue that he got snubbed for the All Star game. You could argue that. Mm. I mean, I get why Van Van Fleet got it, but you could you could have made a good case for Siak. Look at his numbers over the last. I mean, he's been on, he's been back to. Well, he's better. I was going to say he's been back to the original guy, but he's even better now because he's smarter. He's stronger. It, I mean, Nick Nurse, such a good coach. They're unbelievable what they've done. So, KOC, do they get splashy at the deadline? Because the East, again, as we keep saying, it's not it's not like the East isn't open right now. And, you know, they have the Dragage contract. Do they get a little frisky? I think they're going to explore. I haven't heard anything definitive in terms of targets and whatnot. But how could you not? at least explore. Like Jackie said, Pascal Siakam is better than he's ever been right now. They he put is. the ball in his hands, letting him run point more often, be a playmaker, and he looks absolutely sensational. Never mind everybody else in that team. It, like the, Chris Vernon always says to me, like his rule is don't play guys who suck. I mean, they don't play anybody who sucks. It's just a team full of good players. They right. all yep. can play and play together too. So I think Toronto will explore whether they find anything that remains to be seen. I'm, can I just say I'm just sad about Drogic? Like, I like Drogic. He's one of those guys that like everybody, he's another guy, everybody counts out and, oh, well, we, we don't need him. We're going to offload him. We're going to do this. And, and I get, I get why Toronto's doing this, I guess, but I just feel bad for Drajic. I think he deserves well, I thought he didn't want to play there. I don't know. What's, what's the actual story? I thought, I thought he, I thought Toronto, he was one of those Toronto's too cold. Just yeah, but, call me when you made the trade guys. Yeah, but, but they didn't trade him, you know? Yeah. It's a, it reminds me of the Iguodala Memphis thing, but they, he'll get traded. Yeah, yeah. He'll end up on a playoff team. 
Yeah, Luca maybe in Dallas. It'll all be fine. Uh, Dallas, next question. That's a good place for him. KOC, is Sacramento in a coma? <laughs> Do I mean, they realize the trade deadline's on Thursday? <laughs> I mean, I think they realize. I mean, like you, you brought up the Fox thing uh, on our green room. Uh, they're definitely talking to teams. There's a lot of Harrison Barnes stuff out there now. Yeah, that's the guy who's going to go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's the one that Bar- Bar- Barnes went from like he's being a keeper for Sacramento early in the season. He was considered a keeper. Now he's involved in everything. Yeah. Everything you hear is Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes. They I always wonder about him. Harrison Barnes. Like, you know, he was on those Golden State teams and then now he's been in Sacramento for all this time. And he's a guy that, you know, he's very intelligent. I'm sure you guys have talked with him. He's like a very intelligent guy, very aware. And and I, I think he's a guy that understands our our business, you know, media business. And I, he must be drowning there, right? Just drowning because you go there to die, you know? I just, what's, what's your dream Marvin Bagley team, KOC? I don't have one. <laughs> That's it. I don't He's, have a dream of I don't want to see him like a, like a couple, couple of like 20 games on the Pistons. I mean, I've never thought about it until this moment, but yes, a team that's young <laughs> that he can play, that he can play and get consistent minutes and and see if there's something there where defense doesn't matter right now. Jackie, why wouldn't OKC go all in on Sabonis? They have a million picks. Why not? They sh- They're they thirty should. million under the salary floor. Like, and I was thinking about them the other day too, because at what point does Shea Gilgis Alexander saying to him like, "Okay." Hey, this I've sucks. Been, yeah. yeah, I've been patient, but yeah. like, when is this? Like, you know, another all-star snub, I think you could argue, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but no one's ever going to, like, you know, if I'm him, I'm going to be like, hey, uh, when are we actually, you know, doing this? So, Sabonis would be a pretty good start. Yeah, they're in a actually, similar for position that matter, in New Orleans. Yeah, for that matter, they could take on Marvin Bagley, couldn't they? Why not? Yeah, hmm. it's not bad. <laughs> what about Buddy Heald? That's what I want to know. Buddy Heald, I don't hear his name. I thought I would. Yeah, he's. I've been watching the box scores. He's kind of like, eh. Well, Fox Fox Randall is, seems like that's just the the deck chairs movie and the Titanic for both teams in a yeah, lot of yeah, ways. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess my thing with Randall, and I've talked to some Knicks fans about it, where teams treat him like he's a number one, right, when they play the Knicks. And it's really started since the playoffs last year. And if you're game planning for Julius Randall as the best player in the other team, you're probably going to be able to slow down Julius Randall. So there's a question of right. like, what what would happen if he was with other really good players? Would yeah. would he... Uh, this is per- again, fit. Once again, we're at the fit place. Right. So if you're if you're him and you're going to Sacramento and you get to play with Halliburton, you know, maybe that's a better fit. I don't... KOC and I are more down on De'Aaron Fox, I think, than most. Where do you stand, Jackie? I want to like De'Aaron Fox, but I want to... But I want De'Aaron Fox to like turn back the clock to when he was a rookie and we saw things that made us interested and in, in, in hopeful. And I haven't seen that, you know, and again, yeah. in and out of the lineup. Yeah, it's hard. But again, I just don't know, you know, you the whole sacramental malaise. It's it's just re- it's real. You know, it's been so long. But it was it was a malaise when you were covering basketball in the 80s. Like I said, it's been yeah. so long. <laughs> I mean, the only the, the only time they were ever good, Shaq was calling them the queens, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's just it's a tough it's a tough place for a lot of reasons. All right. Let's end here. The Celtics buyers or sellers, KOC? <laughs> I mean, the way things I'm hearing. It seems more like sellers. 
Um, but why not be a buyer considering the state of the Eastern Conference? Would be my question there for them. T- but it I'll seems like the they're going to be sellers. I'll give you an answer, Kev, because they're another team that wants to get under that luxury tax. They really do because they're looking at their roster mm-hmm. and they're saying, okay, yeah, the East is wide open, but we're really, we don't, unless they get really intoxicated because, you know, this lineup with Horford, Brown, Tatum, Marcus, who am I forgetting? The fifth guy. Well, they're, Horford, he, Horford, he went yeah. to an eight-man rotation no, and it's worked. Yeah. But that, and but everybody that star- else is out. But that starting lineup has only been together like 16 games and they're, the, the plus-minus numbers with that lineup, are, it's, it's like kind of unbelievable. And Marcus Smart's numbers since he came back from COVID and the injuries are just off the charts. So he's like playing to... He's playing his way into staying. I everything I've heard about the Celtics is they're not going to do anything big. They, you know, they're going to hang on to Tatum and and Brown. Um, and then, as you and I have discussed or speculated, I guess we should say, Bill, at what point does Jalen Brown say, "I don't know, do I still want to be here if I'm never going to be?" You know, he doesn't make the All Star team. Jason Tatum gets all the love. I think I'm better than that. You know. There was a report, I think, by Steve Bullpett, the former Held writer this week, that said, you know, there's some discomfort or a little, you know, uncertainty with the way Jalen Brown is thinking. So what does that do for you? I mean, because if you're Brad Stevens, I don't think you do anything now. You you deal Schroeder because you're not going to resign him. And some some contending team, really deep contending team, will add him as insurance, Milwaukee or somebody the, or whatever. The, the Bucks, yeah. yeah. The Bucks the, are the name I'm hearing. Yeah, too. Milwaukee. And, um, yeah. and so you, maybe you move him. Um, the one thing I've heard that I don't like is the possibility of them moving Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams has had a really good year and he's four inches too short and he'll always be four inches too short, but you know, <laughs> he's the only guy that's hitting threes for you. So you better get a shooter back if you're going to trade Grant Williams. I, first of all, cheap contract. He finally figured out how to shoot corner threes. Yeah, and I can't believe him. I'm saying this, but he's an actual I know, asset. I know so, you don't like him. You and your dad. I know that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I, I've <laughs> okay. come around. All right. Good. So I spent, I just spent four days with my dad. He doesn't want them to trade Schroeder. He Why? thinks because he, he thinks the East is wide open and he's a lunatic. Um, but he, <laughs> he Schroeder is counterproductive like, for them. Counterproductive for them. I told yeah. you this Schreuder, the last time. Schroeder off the bench as like just 20 minutes a game versus rolling the dice with Payne Pritchard. I don't know. His, I think it's just as likely that they trade Langford to OKC, you know, and get like some lightly protected 2041 second round pick where you're basically giving him away to get okay. under the tax. They're getting under the tax regardless. Yeah, that's, There's moves. That's, all they, that's what they want to do. Yeah, but could the, they get? Could you get an actual draft pick from somebody from Schroeder? It's not going to come from Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't have any draft picks. Phoenix has, you know, Jalen Smith. A, I don't think you get a draft pick for him. He's he's he can walk. You know, I don't I don't see you getting a high. Is is this why trading Marcus Smart could make more sense? Because you get a good a good amount back from Marcus Smart. I've heard the Timberwolves really really yeah, like Marcus like Smart. Yeah, they love him. I mean, and that, that kind of indicates because like, they wanted Ben Simmons for a long time. If they're not getting Simmons, maybe they want uh, Smart to be their defensive-oriented player. But I don't know. Like, you get a good amount back from Marcus Smart that you're not going to get for some of these other guys to get under the tax. I, I think you wait till the summer. I think you wait till the summer to do that, Kev. I agree. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I've, I've been really encouraged by Smart the last couple of weeks. I think he's figured it That's out. That's great. I think he's figured it out. And whether it continues or not, but I actually think, I think he took a lot of the the Celtics need a real point guard dialogue that had been out there for three weeks. I think he took it personally. He said as much, but 
he has played like a facilitator. The shot selection's been much better. And I think I think he's been really good. So oh, I'd be nervous. I'd be back. nervous to I'd be nervous to trade him. Schroeder is the one that makes the most sense. Yep. I could also see them just getting off one of these contracts and doing it that way. OKC is going to be the big kind of wild card, I think, for, you know, these next what next 96 hours because they're so far under the salary floor. Right. They can basically be like, here, we'll get you under the luxury tax. Like, send mm -hmm. your guy here. We'll take this. We'll do. How about a pick so swap in who, 2038? Who's, who's taking DeAndre Jordan off the Nets' hands? Oh, De uh, uh, no, he's like, is I he? Mean, it's, I mean, oh, sorry. off the Lakers' hands. Yeah, mean. Lakers' hands. I mean, sorry. Yeah. Oh, See, probably. I've already got, I still have him at the Nets. Yeah, but he's, they're going <laughs> to, they'll try to move him. That'll be their move, right? So who takes him? Probably okay. I mean, OKC is just they're they have the sign on their store that like open twenty four seven. Yeah, come I mean the Lakers your, can't do anything, right? Here. What can the Lakers do? They can't do anything, right? Horton Tucker, trade, maybe. trade, trade Westbrook your twenty twenty seven first Horton Tucker for Wall and Eric Gordon. Stop. That, that's just what you stop. could do. Yeah. Just stop, Am stop, I getting stop. too crazy here? You are. Stop. <laughs> God, I've read that book. I've read that book three times already. <laughs> Wait, would Houston do that? No. If they can't get anything else better for Eric Gordon, why not? Oh, man. If the, the Lakers pulled that off, I mean, Eric Gordon, mm -hmm. I went to a game, Jack, I, I told KOC this, but I went to the Clipper game the other night and Ariza was left more open than I think any NBA player I've ever been to a game yeah. with. Like They were like 11 yeah. feet off him. Now, he made a big three last night against Knicks, but right. um, they so clearly need anybody who can hit a three with the spacing. But the encouraging thing for the Lakers is Davis looks really good. And so, you know, I thought he looked like crap to start the season, but the guy we've seen this week looks like Anthony Davis again. So that kind of opens the ceiling a little bit for them. Yeah. No, you seem dubious. Well, I just, you know, I just, I think it's, you need more than Anthony Davis. That's all. LeBron looks great. I mean, unbelievable coming back off that bad knee, but I don't think that's the last we're going to hear of that bad knee. He only took a day and a half or two day, two games off or whatever he took. So same old problems for them. How do they get everybody to the finish line? What team, Jackie, what team do you like the most if you had to pick one team to win the title right now? Because mine is Phoenix. I know yours is Phoenix. I'll take the Bucks. I'll take the Bucks. Giannis is very quietly, once again, <laughs> averaging 20-plus points a game for, like, how many games in a row now? 17 games in a row or whatever. And they got they get everything they need. I'll take the Bucks. KOC, question for you. If you had to pick a team right now to win the finals, who is it? The Phoenix Suns. They're complete. Utter complete roster, no changes needed. Um, they can play any style. If they can, they can dictate style. Um, then you need to adapt to them. Um, and they also have some guys who could be the best player on the court on any single night. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Jackie, one of the things I like about them, there's a little '80s Lakers Celtics kind of. Oh, we're down ten. We're not worried at all. Yeah. Oh, you look up now. They're now they're up ten. What happened? Oh, they went on like a twenty-eight to four run. Like they have that switch, like the old school kick ass. We saw it with the two thousand seventeen Warriors. I'm not saying they're as good as them, but yeah, they yeah. do have that mode where they can. They're kind of messing around, hey, and I'd then they can turn it on. I'd be thrilled if they won because everything about them is what's good about the NBA. You know mm -hmm. the way they got there. They're it's homegrown. In part, they take on a veteran that everybody thought was done. I mean, that's a great Aiton. I can't believe they didn't pay him, but that, you know, that'll come back to bite them and that'll be okay too. But 
yeah, they're easy to root for. Monty Williams is one of the, he was always one of the most underrated coaches around. Never got his due. I think he has the last couple of years and I'm, I'm glad for it. So I'd be, I'll be all right with that. But I just, I just watched the Bucks play and, and they, you know, after the, all those disappointments, they just changed the way they handled the regular season. And they just, they, you know, they watch their guys, they rest them, they try different things. They don't give you everything. They have a whole bunch of stuff you haven't seen yet. I guarantee it. And they have Giannis, who's just otherworldly. I mean, he's unbelievable. And it's funny, no one talking about him for MVP because, you know, we get focused on, so, you know, Embiid's been amazing. Jokic is right there at all times. But, you know, Giannis, I don't know. Why, why are we not talking about Giannis? Yeah, he'll have a run. The narrative's... Everybody grabs it for 10 days and then we talk about that guy. And just, it, mm. it's so funny, the MVP <laughs> cycle, it starts at like game 15 now and then everybody yeah. gets there <laughs> 10 days. I saw, I picked Suns Bucks before the season and I have not seen anything that makes me worried about that pick yet. Now, Philly, if Philly got Beal, not Harden, if they got Beal and they were able to keep Curry and everybody else, then that would make me possibly switch because... They, the way Embiid's playing, that might be enough. Also, the Bucks, I that's like kind of the stealth. Like, um, I really want to see what they do on Thursday, team. Like, can they get one more somebody, or are they just going to wait and hope to get that person with the buyout? Before we go, Jackie said she saw Lamelo in person. She wanted to give her a review. No, I just was. I hadn't. I saw him once, very briefly, his rookie year, and saw him this the other night. He's so fast. I didn't realize he's so light, and I kept thinking. Wait till, I mean, he's 19. I had to go back and check. I thought he was older. And I went back and checked, 19. And uh, another all-star snub, by the way, LaMelo Ball. Agreed. And uh, and um, I just wonder, like, what like what if he puts on some muscle? Well, I don't think it'll slow him down, you know? And he's, uh, I mean, I'd like to see him play better. I was watching him a lot on defense. And that's probably why the coaches didn't vote him. You know, they voted Draymond Green on. That tells you everything you need to know, right? So it's kind of like, remember the year before they didn't put Trey Young on? But yeah. my, my thing about that is, you know, everybody would love to see LaMelo Ball at an all-star game, like all-star game. They'd love to see him out there playing. He'd be passing everybody. He's so quick. I just thought he was, he's fun. I wonder what his, I wonder what his future is, you know? That was, uh, I remember writing this like 15 years ago that they, they should have a commissioner's pick for each conference just to make the game more fun. I was hoping LaMelo would make it because we just, LaMelo should just be in the all-star game. It's just going to be 10% more fun. There's certain guys like that. And I'm hoping if somebody ends up backing out last minute or the injury or something, he would be the guy I hope gets shoehorned in there. Who who would be for the other conference? Who would be your fun pick, KFC? If it's LaMelo. One one quick question. Is he in the rising stars, that little tournament they're doing? Yes, I think he is. He he is in that? That that could be cool. I'm happy he's in yeah, that personally. I, know, but, I look but forward I mean, to it. But it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like when I used to play half JV, half varsity. I'm like, yeah, well, I really <laughs> want to play varsity, you know? Uh, I want to sing with Giannis. Oh, oh that would be yeah. sick. Yeah, that'd be really cool. A- Anthony Edwards yeah. is the one in the West, right? Anthony Edwards? I like yeah. Anthony Edwards. That's a good yeah. choice. That works yeah. for me. He's, he's curating climbing. Just in general, I, it's giving some of the best interviews of any under 22 guy that we've had. He's just really like owning. All right, KOC, we can hear you on the mismatch all week. You're coming on here on Thursday. We're going to be doing some trade deadline stuff. Jackie, it was a pleasure yes, as always. I know we have, we're going to be announcing something soon, what your secret project has been. So I'm excited for that. Um, I am too. I am too. 
Yeah, I'm excited for the world to hear it. Uh, good to see both of you. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Bye, Kevin. Thank you. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing, as always. Thanks to Dylan Berkey for the great video stuff and Steve Cerruti for helping out as well. And we will be back on this feed on Tuesday with the big Super Bowl mega preview. And then um, new rewatchables Monday night, Rachel getting married. So that is the schedule. I will see you here on Tuesday.